you want to turn in your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 5 here in just a minute. I know a lot of people stayed up and <coughs> welcomed in the new year. I was a little puzzled by some things. I'm usually always up around midnight anyway, but especially on New Year's, I can't go to bed. Everybody doing fireworks, making all that noise. I don't know how to expect nobody to sleep. But as I was listening and that midnight time came and I was all the fireworks and people shooting guns and stuff going on, that's the joy of living out in the country. And I turned on the TV and they were showing New Year's around the world. They were showing all these extravagant fireworks shows and all the big things are going on, and I suddenly realized I thought I must be in this by myself. Apparently, everybody else was up welcoming in the new year. I just stayed up to make sure the old one left. <laughs> I'd had about all it I could take. I, I don't know what 2021 holds, but I knew I didn't want both of them at the same time. We, um... Faced with a, with a great challenge. Let me ask you, how many of you made a New Year's resolution? Anybody make New Year's resolutions? A lot of people make New Year's resolutions. Today is January the 3rd. That was two days ago. How many of you already broke them? It's funny, a lot of people, weight and exercise and health is always a big deal. I'm, I'm going... I'm going to lose weight in the new year. I'm going to do this new year. And they, and they find these diet plans and they set up these diet plans and they're going to eat all this stuff and they, they change everything and they get a good start in January. And, you know, by February, they've lost a little bit of weight. By March, you know, a piece of pound cake just gets looking good. Before you know it, they've started back eating. And by May, they weigh more than they did in January. All those things are temporary notions. If you want to change your health, then do healthy things. If you want to lose weight, then change what you eat or eat less of it. Change. If, if, you, if you want to be healthier, you want to live healthier, you want to do things different, then, then you change the way you live. You, you have to change the, the way that, that you take food in and what you take in, the way you exercise. All, all that's just temporary things, but it requires a, a change of, of lifestyle if we're going to make changes. I have a New Year's resolution for us this morning. I would love for us to make a, a resolve to invite people to church. We're in a world right now that needs church. We're in a world that's got churches shut down today. There's been a recommendation sent out right now to churches and all throughout Troop County for us to shut down for two or three weeks. I'm not going to say I won't, but I'm telling you, it's going to be drastically different if I do. Um, we're in the day where the book still says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves, as the manner of some is. All the more so as you see the day approaching. Well, I see the day approaching. Anybody see the day approaching? I see a lot of prophecies continuing to be fulfilled. I see a lot of things coming. So the Bible says that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. I realize there are some people right now that are having to stay home and watch on live stream. I realize for health reasons, matter of fact, we got lots out this morning. We've, got a, we've still got several out that have COVID. We have a pile of people out because they are quarantined, because they've been exposed to COVID. 
That's why you look around and see so many empty seats. But we have a lot that are out because they simply can't afford to get around crowds of people. Um, if you really want to know what it's like, just try talking to some of them that just aren't able to be here. You know, you had to do it for 12 weeks last year to not be able to come and, and assemble. Coming together in the house of God is a difference maker. You, you can't just drive by a fuel station and get gas in your car. You've got to pull in and get some. You can't just drive by the grocery store or the Chick-fil-A and get some nutrition for your body. You've got to go in and get some. You've you got to get it and put it there. And that's what gathering together as a family is. It is nutrition for the soul. It is a healthy diet. It is a life-changing, game-changing experience that we have to have. So let's invite people to church. Let's let them know that we're still having a church. This building seats better than 1,200 people. We got room. We got every other seat sectioned off. We got plenty of room for those of you out there. Come on to church. If you can be around people, come on to church. If you go to another church, invite somebody to your church. You don't have to go to faith and invite somebody to church. If you're a member of the family of the child of God, we need to be inviting people to the house of God. So if we've got to make a resolve in 2021, let's resolve to invite people to the house of God. Let's invite people. Let's, let's tell them about what God's doing, about the presence of God in the house. Listen, you, you can't feel what moves through here a few minutes ago at home watching it on TV. You feel something, but you can't feel that. There, there's a connection about God's people coming together. So I want us to look this morning at living the Christian life. The Lord gave me this about two and a half weeks ago. I started studying it, and he had me put it up for New Year's for this Sunday. So um, much to your advantage, I didn't just continue studying it, or it'd be about four hours long by now. But I have spent the time looking into and praying and seeking what God would, would have me say this morning, and looking into to 2021, this morning's message is a good personal challenge for me. I pray that it's a blessing to you. As the world seems to be going in one direction, a worldly direction, a, a wrong direction, as the world seems to continue going in one direction, it's more important now than ever for God's children to stand up for thus saith the Lord. It's more important now than ever for us to stand up and... and live a godly life, to, to walk in a godly direction that people might see Christ in us. I know I told you to open to Matthew, but hold where you at for just a minute. Because over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 16, the Bible asks us a question. What agreement hath the temple of God, which is us, with idols? For ye are not the temple, or for ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. That is the passage for the emerge, our middle school, which, by the way, is in there with us. Good to have you guys today. Glad you all got to stand here with us. But I will receive you. Verse number 18 says, and I will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. What does it mean to come out from among them? What does it mean to be ye separate? What does it mean to not be like the world? For that matter, what does it mean to not be like what I used to be? 
What does it mean to not be what we once were? People make all kind of resolves and, and resolutions to do things, but all that stuff is, is temporary notions. See, when you and I got saved, there was an immediate change on the inside. The change on the outside is still in progress. Anybody say amen? Anybody say I'm still a work in progress? So, so there was an immediate change on the inside. But I want us this morning to look not, not at, a, at a resolution to try and do better. Not at a resolution to try and love people more. Not at a, a resolution to maybe do a better job of, of reading our Bibles or maybe be in church more next year and make sure that we're here. But, but I want to look at living the life that the Word of God tells us to live. Matthew chapter 5, y'all had time to find your place. Beginning in verse number 2, Jesus the Bible says he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. I want to make sure that we understand this morning, looking here at this passage, these are not requirements to be saved. These are the visible results of those who are saved. These are the marks of a Christian life. This is the example of what you and I, as children of God, are supposed to look like. I want to bring a message this morning entitled, Living the Life. God, thank you so much so much for being so incredibly good. Thank you for the day, God, that you reached down out of glory and saved a sinner like me, washed me in the blood of Jesus, wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. And God, I thank you for all the examples that have come before me, like preacher Charles Chapman that have stood here and preached. Thus saith the Lord, God, I pray you'd help me today, Father, to carry that on, God, to preach according to your word. I ask you, Father, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might say only what you won't say it in the way that you won't say it. I ask you, God, will you move among your people with love and compassion, God, and teach us, Father, to live the life that you set forth here by the teachings of Jesus himself. And God, I pray you'd help us to hear your word and to be doers of it. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. The Old Testament is, is the story of the beginning. It's got the story of man, the creation of man. It's got the story, of course, of the fall of man. It's got all of the history of man, all the stories, but it also has the promise of the Messiah that is to come. It has the promise of the answer to our problem, and our problem is sin and separation. For hundreds of years, God spoke in the Old Testament through his prophets. He spoke to men as he sent prophets there, but then Malachi chapter 4, 
And God closed off for a while. And he ceased to speak to men. As a matter of fact, we have no record of a 450-year span that we call the silent years. We have no record of any prophets speaking during that 450 years. We have no record of God speaking to man at any point in time during that 450-year period of silence. But then God himself broke the silence. God himself came to Mary and said, Mary, you're going to have a baby. You're not going to be with a man. You don't need a husband. All you need is to listen to me. All you need is to hang on and follow because I'm fixing to do something in you that ain't never been done before and will never be done again. All you need to do is hear my words. God broke the silence again because he had to go over and talk to a little boy named Joseph and said, Joseph, don't be trying to put her away. Don't worry about it. She ain't been messing around on you. That is in hers of the Holy Ghost. That is my baby boy. That is the son of the living God. That is the redeemer of the world. You just get him and call him his name, Emmanuel, God with us. You just bring him up. But then he went on over and he spoke again because Elizabeth needed to know there was another prophecy to be fulfilled. There's a forerunner coming. There's somebody going to come ahead of the Messiah. Matter of fact, it's written Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And God came to Elizabeth and said, there's a forerunner coming, and you got him. John the Baptist, of course, is that forerunner. He came, uh, many people refer to him as the last of the Old Testament prophets because he technically was before Christ. And some of them just call him um, the last of the vocal prophets as he came pronouncing Christ. But in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus came to John the Baptist to be baptized in the Jordan River. Now, John the Baptist baptized people for remission of sins, but Christ had no sin. So he had no reason to be baptized for remission of sins, but yet he went to be baptized because it was fulfilled of a prophet. The prophecy said that he would be anointed the Messiah. So we have the forerunner that came and said, this is the one. This is the one I've told you about. This is the one that will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. This is the one that I'm not worthy to reach down and unlatch your shoes. This is the one. But as if that wasn't enough, we have the testimony of God himself. As a matter of fact, the baptism of Jesus is one of very few times in this book that we find the entire Trinity present in one spot. The Son was baptized. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove and the Father spoke. Matter of fact, the Father only spoke to mankind two times in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He told us the same thing. Matthew 3, 17, Lo, a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 5, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Behold, a voice came out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. One of my textbooks in, in my college classes says, This is him of the one who is promised. Knowing this is the most important thing that you'll ever know in your life. It says in him, it's like God is saying, in him is everything I want to say to you. In him is everything that I want to reveal to you. In him is everything that I want you to hear. Everything that I want you to see. In him is everything that I want you to believe. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus begins preaching what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. But when he opens up here in the opening statements, we have what we looked at this morning. Of course, we, we refer to it as the Beatitudes. 
As I told you, the Beatitudes are not requirements of salvation. The Beatitudes are the defining nature of those who have received salvation. One of my textbooks is Dr. Charles Quarles. He wrote a book entitled The Sermon on the Mount. He says the righteousness described in the Sermon on the Mount is an absolute impossibility of those who remain captive to Satan and are enslaved to sin. You're going to like this paragraph right here if you're a child of God. Jesus' followers have been liberated from this slavery. The great Redeemer has cried, let my people go. He has removed their shackles, killed their old harsh taskmaster, buried his body in the sand, crushed the power of their dark Pharaoh with one plague after another, and led them to freedom across the parted sea. The Sermon on the Mount describes the righteousness that will be exhibited by those who have experienced this emancipation from slavery to sin. Simply put, what we have here in our text this morning should be a portrait of who we are as Christians. It ought to be a picture of what we see when we look in the mirror. It is a description of how we're supposed to live. Matthew chapter 4, actually John the Baptist said it first in Matthew chapter 3. He said, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the forerunner. But in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus echoed it in verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and, and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So I want to look for just a few minutes this morning at this word, repent. Repent is not just to say, I'm sorry. Repent is not just a mild sorrow for something that we've done wrong. It's not even a deep remorse for sins and things that that we've committed, things that we've done wrong. True repentance makes no excuses. True repentance doesn't go to God and try to justify what we've done. It, It doesn't go to God with reasoning. True repentance offers no explanations. It simply falls before God. It asks for forgiveness from God, but here's the key to repentance. It turns from that sin and does not go back. Today, too many people that call themselves Christians, they want to be forgiven because they don't want to go to hell. I understand that. Nobody wants to go to hell, right? So they want to be forgiven. Just especially in America, they just we want our cake and eat it too. I want to do what I want to do, and God, you be my genie in a bottle. Show up and give me money when I need it. Heal me when I'm sick. Take care of all my problems. Make sure everything goes away. If I need you, I'll call on you. But other than that, I just want to go do what I want to do. That kind of seems to be the the condition of man, and that's, that's what got us into the shape that we're in. Everybody wants everything their way. It's nothing new. I was in middle school. Well, it was junior high school in my day. Anybody call it junior high school? We'll find out some AIDS. Sixth, seventh, eighth grade with junior. I was in junior high school. Burger King had that slogan. Y'all remember? They were dressed up in the red and gold striped suits. There was three of them back here behind the counter, and they had on them little top hats with the red and gold, and they sang that song, Hold the Pickle, Hold the Lettuce. Special order, don't upset it. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Have it your way at Burger King. It was a slogan in 74. Wanting it our way is nothing new. That's just the way we've always been. The problem is that we're just more used to getting things our way now. We've been given so much. So one of the reasons that so many people continue to return to their sin is because they simply don't know what the Word of God says. I read something in the introduction of the book, The Sermon on the Mount, 
pretty disturbing to me. Quarles says that the Sermon on the Mount has been largely neglected by contemporary America. A recent Gallup poll. Y'all listening? Anybody going to sleep on me, are you? A recent Gallup poll indicated that only one-third of adult Americans are familiar enough with the Sermon on the Mount to identify Jesus as its source. Only one-third of adult Americans even know that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Jesus Christ. He goes on and says, talking about these polls, many Americans think that the Sermon on the Mount was a message preached by evangelist Billy Graham. I'm sorry, but that is a disgrace that that poll could be taken in the United States of America and reveal those kind of results. But what it shows us is that our nation does not know that book. Our nation does not know the truth. They act the way they act because they're full of the devil and they don't know no different. And they don't want anybody to tell them the truth. Joel chapter 2. The Bible says, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. That is repentance. Repentance is not just to, just to ask for forgiveness, but it is to turn from our sins. It is to, to turn where there is no turning from, there is no repentance. And where there is no repentance, there can be no true forgiveness. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, and I, I, I do understand. I understand that I, that I quote this, seems like on an almost weekly basis. Seems like every week I find myself, that verse pops up in my head and, and I'm quoting it back. But do we understand that it is the only hope that we have? Washington is not going to get us out of this mess. Those knuckleheads we just put in sure ain't going to get us out of it. If anything, we're going further from God, not getting closer to God. We need to be praying that the Holy Spirit of God would sweep through the White House of the United States of America and save some souls if we're going to have any chance. But Washington's not getting us out of this. They're not getting us out of the political issues. They're not getting us out of the financial issues. They're not getting us out of the COVID issue. If my people, which are called by my name, Christians, that is you and I, you and I, called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. How many of us are earnestly praying, Christians? Humble ourselves and pray and seek my face. That's a requirement, but all of it is hinged on this. And turn from their wicked ways. Until there is a repentance, then there is no real remorse. But he said that if we would do that, that he would hear from heaven. He would forgive our sins and he would heal our land. He's the only hope we got. But he's a promise. But the promise has a contingency. Christians, pray. Seek my face. Call on me. And repent from sins. Turn from wickedness. Well, Lord God, help us. True repentance is a big deal. But in America, people are asking for forgiveness while driving on their way to commit what they know is about to be a sin. People are coming home on Friday night from a sinful lifestyle. 
And they go to bed and ask God to forgive them for what they did on Friday night, knowing full well they have every intention of doing it again on Saturday. That's not repentance. And that's not going to get us out of the mess that we're in. The professor of one of my, my doctorate courses that I'm working on, Dr. John Nocera, and he said in a, in a class last week, he made a statement. He talked about three things. He said, man, there's your three-point sermon. I thought, thank you, I'll use that. Lord gave me a message that's going to fit right into. He says that, number one, repentance means to change your mind. So I'm going to give you, I'm, I'm going to use his right there. Number one is to change your mind. So here's what God gave me about changing our mind. A true disciple of Christ will be characterized by a hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus said so right there in the fourth beatitude. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus says if we truly are Christian, we truly are saved. If we truly are a child of the living God, born again, washed in the blood, filled with the Holy Spirit, then we will have an earnest desire for the things of God. We're going to have a desire to know the Word of God because the Word of God is the will of God. Reading the Word of God should be a joy, not a chore. Trying to live a, a Christian life and trying to be godly, that should be our desire, not a crutch to bear. Not, not something that's pulling and tugging. It, it ought to be what we want to do. We should be hungry and thirsty for the things of God. Quarles uses an example I love this illustration that he used. He talked about a baby. He said, a baby, um, a tiny infant, can, can hunger and thirst. Grandmama's over there. We got a new baby, don't we? Little bridge, 19 inches, six and a half pounds. I don't know why they ain't here today. I mean, well, I mean, especially, especially Andrew. I mean, he didn't have to do nothing. Brianne did all the work, right? All the moms said, amen, glory to God. All the men did was a boy getting killed. He says a baby can hunger and thirst, but a baby is powerless to do anything about it but cry. The baby feels the hunger. The baby feels the thirst, but, but he is completely helpless when it comes to meeting his own needs by himself. But because that baby is hungry, and because that baby is thirsty, he does the only thing he can do. He cries out. And those who are close to him, mom and dad, love that baby so much that they will put their selves out. They will do whatever it takes to meet the need of that baby. A true child of God should have an unquenchable thirst, an unquenchable hunger for the things of God. It should be the desire of our heart to live godly. Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. So if we have a true desire for the things of God and we truly desire to, to be Christ-like, then we're going to read God's word. And we're going to cry out and ask God not only to forgive us of our sins and not go back to the sins, but God, give us spiritual direction that we live a godly life, that we be pleasing to you, that people see Christ in me today. There's a desire to be like him. We, we've got it posted out there, Jeremiah 33.3, where God says, call unto me. That, that's God talking to us. Call unto me. I will answer thee. 
I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God's just sitting up there waiting on his children to call out. God's just waiting on if my people which are called by my name. God's just sitting up there with the desire of a father waiting for his hungry child to make one little peep that he might reach down and take care of that need. Jeremiah chapter 29, God said in verse 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. The lifestyle described by Jesus here in our text this morning is not the result of human effort. Human can't get here on their effort. It is the result of a human repenting of our sin and crying out to God after righteousness and then being transformed by God's amazing grace. Somebody go ahead and say amen. So number one, he said repentance is to change your mind, but then he said, too, repentance is to change your will. So I studied on that one for a little bit. Our will is simply our desire. It's just the desires of the heart. It's the things that we want to do. The bottom line is we do what we want to do because it's controlled by our will. Even in 2020, even in COVID-19, there might be a few things we wanted to do but didn't do, didn't get to do, but they're few and far between. We still went where we wanted to go. Oh, y'all need not back up. I ain't the only one went to the beach. I've seen some of you in restaurants. I saw y'all at the ball game. Bottom line is our will is doing the things that we want to do. We, we go the places that we want to go. We do what we want to do. True repentance is a true change of our will. It is a change of... of the things that we desire to do. It's the change of the places that we desire to go. It's even the change of the people that we desire to hang around. Uh-oh. You done gone all up in the meddling now. You done getting them my friends. We, we can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and desire to live in a worldly atmosphere. There's a lot of things about 2021 that we're going to have no control over. But the most important things we have complete control over, and that is how will we live our life in 2021. What everybody else does, that's not between God and myself. That, that, that is between God, God and I. This is the relationship right here. How, how well did I please Him? We have full control over how godly we live our life. So Dr. Nasera says, Point number three, he says, repentance is to change our actions. Man, I don't know of a better way to put it than the way I've already put it to you a hundred times, so you've already got it memorized, so we'll just all say it together. If nothing changed in the way they live. Uh, I said a little prayer back, back when I was young, nothing changed in the way they talked. Well, I heard that preacher, and he said, if I just say a prayer, then I'd be saved. That's called lip service. You didn't listen to the part where he said, surrender your heart. You didn't listen to the part where say, you said he is, his, if he is your Savior, then he is your Lord. If he is the Redeemer of your soul, then he is the Master of your life. They didn't listen to that part, so, so they, there was a lip service. But if there is no change in the way they act, the places they go, the, the people they hang around, the, the vocabulary that they use, if nothing changed on the outside, 
It's very difficult to believe that anything changed on the inside because the Holy Spirit of God cannot and will not move into a dirty temple and not start dusting off shelves. He will not move into a dirty temple and not become a new conscience in you that says, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm, you know you shouldn't have said that. Mm-mm, you don't need to go there. You stay away from there. Mm Mm-hmm, you need to get up in the morning and read your Bible. I got something I want to say to you. If there's no change on the outside, then it's hard to imagine that there could be any change on the inside. So come out from among them and be ye separate. That truly means all things pass away. Behold, all things become new. We are a new creature in Christ. Somebody ought to be excited about that. We ain't what we used to be. We may not be what we're going to be. Praise God, we ain't what we used to be. Amen. A true disciple, a true child of God will be characterized by a righteous lifestyle. Jesus went on the latter part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. He's still preaching, coming into the closing section of the sermon. He says in chapter 7, verse 17, or verse 16, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Amen? Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits shall you know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Jesus says the ones who will enter into the kingdom of my Father is the one who the Father's will becomes their will. Wicked roots produce wicked fruits. Good roots produce good fruit. Jesus said, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. Our fruit defines what root we are connected to. It defines where we are getting our sources. What people see on the outside is the evidence of what is living on the inside. In 2021, the world is going to need to see Christ in us. Jesus said in verse 16 here in chapter 5 of Matthew, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. True repentance is to change the fruit that we bear. By changing the way that we live. In the close of the Beatitudes, Jesus gives us one last blessed, and I'll be done. He says in verse 11, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Living the true Christian life is probably not going to win you any popularity contest. It's probably not going to get you the vote of all the neighborhood. As a matter of fact, Jesus makes it clear here that persecution is inevitable. He says, expect persecution. Expect people to make fun of you. Matter of fact, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But Jesus said, Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. See, here's why 
people will attempt to persecute you for righteous living because it convicts them of their unrighteous lifestyle. Your righteousness, which granted, I understand we're all on the same page. The only righteousness we have is Christ in us. We're all but filthy rags. But our righteousness, which is Christ, which is the Holy Spirit living in us and the Son of God living through us, our righteousness convicts their sinfulness. So if you're a Christian and you find yourself somewhere that you really shouldn't be, get up and walk out. Don't, don't destroy your testimony by staying. You can find yourself in situations sometimes you really didn't know exactly what to expect. Maybe you went there for a purpose for somebody else. You had a reason to be there. But when that purpose is passed, get out. See, there may be other Christians in the place, but what they do, that's their business. That's between them and God. It has nothing to do with you and yours. But I promise you this, you get up and walk out, you're going to make a statement. And it's going to make them make a choice. What, what you do will bring an impact on those around us. See, the other Christians that were there, they're going to persecute you because of your good fruit. Your good fruit brought conviction on them. People's first response is going to be this. They're going to try to get you to stay. Or they're going to try to get you to go. It, it doesn't matter if these people go to church. It doesn't matter if they go to the same church you go to. If you're trying to live godly and, and you're around an environment that's ungodly and you make a statement for a godly life, their first action is going to be to try to get you to go where you're not supposed to go or do what you're not supposed to do or stay where you're not supposed to stay. Because if you will conform to their desires, then it means it's okay with them. It must be okay, you know, that, that evil likes company. Bad company pulls you. So the first thing they're going to do is they're going to try to get you to conform to whatever it is that you're about to get away from because your fruit cannot stay there. But when you do not conform to what they want you to do, persecution's coming. They're going to call your name. They're going to talk about you behind your back. They're going to send you nasty little texts and call you all, oh, goody, and holier than thou, and holy roller, and yada, yada. Call me what you want. God calls me his. I'm a child of the king. I want to live like it, look like it, act like it, walk like it, talk like it. If it bothers you, then you're in the wrong place because I don't plan to change. So when they can't get us to conform, the next thing will be to, to ridicule us. Righteous behavior on your part is going to cause one of two things in those around you. It's either going to inspire others to conform to the word of God or it's going to bring persecution from those who will not conform to the word of God. But their actions can have no bearings on our attitudes. If we desire to live godly, there will be those who will persecute us. But Jesus says, here is our response to persecution. With great joy and exceeding gladness. For great is your reward in heaven. If people won't conform to the light, don't be surprised if they no longer want to be around you. I'm going ahead and giving you a heads up in 2021. If you're going to try to live more righteously, more holy, more godly, closer to God, don't be surprised when people who call themselves your friends stop calling you and stop coming around you and stop texting you and stop asking you to go do things with them. They don't want you to go dinner anymore. They, they, they don't, don't, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised because they, they, when you won't conform, see, it's a simple fact. Darkness can't stay where light is. 
Darkness has to flee when the light comes on. You come in here and turn on the light, darkness has to get out of town. Darkness cannot stay in the presence of light. Anybody see that? Anybody say an amen? Anybody see that besides me? Darkness cannot come in here and overtake the light. When the light is on, it rules. When the light is on, darkness has got to get out of town and stay out of town. It can't come back in unless the light goes off. So if we are the light and we come in, we ought to expel darkness. So they may get out, they'll do one or two things. They'll either conform to the light or they're going to talk about the light. Amen? Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the Beatitudes, this isn't requirements for salvation. Requirements for salvation is whosoever will. Call upon the Lord and he shall be saved. The requirements for salvation is from the heart, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I don't want to go to hell. I I, I believe this book. I believe that Jesus Christ came. I I believe that he's the son of a virgin named Mary. I believe that he died on Calvary's cross for remission of sin, and I've never trusted that as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me, but I've never taken a hold of it. But, Lord, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to be a child of the king. I want to go to heaven when I die. And I'm asking you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins and save my soul in the precious holy name of Jesus Christ. That is a requirement for repentance. What we have in the Beatitudes is a picture of what we ought to look like after that. It's what saved people. It's what children of God ought to look like. It is my prayer that that you and I, as the church, as Faith Baptist Church, as the church overall, that, that you and I, as Christians and as children of God, can have the right attitude in 2021. Be attitudes. Just a little short. Y'all get that? Be attitudes. It is my prayer that we can be that attitude in 2021 and make a difference. We may not can control what goes on in the world, but I can control what goes on in my circle. I can't control what I listen to and don't listen to. I can't control who I talk to and don't talk to. I can't control the language that I tolerate and the language that I don't tolerate. I can't control the jokes that I listen to and the jokes that I don't listen to. I can't control what people say around me or about me as long as they're around in my vicinity. So don't worry about the things you can't control. Control what you can. What you and I can control is our circle. And if we control our circle, God can use our circle to make a difference in somebody else's circle. We're going to make a resolution for 2021. Why wouldn't we just make it a resolve to be more like Christ in everything that we do so that the world around us might see Christ in us and Christ through us? We can change the world. It's in the book. It's in that one verse, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If it ain't nowhere else. We can change the world, but not in ourselves. It's the power of Christ which rests in us. God's the one that can, but he gives us some instructions, and you and I are to live Christ-like. It's the first Sunday, 2021. All of you got started off on a good foot, amen? We're in the house of God. Some of you getting to listen out there. 
I pray the Lord to make it where you can be back in the house of God, maybe starting as early as next week. But, but what this world needs is not a vaccine. What this world needs is not a cure for COVID-19, as bad as it is. What this world needs is not more money. What this world needs is Jesus Christ. What this world needs is this book. And if we live our lives in the way that Jesus Christ described our lives in the Beatitudes, people will have to see Christ in us. And we'll have to make a difference in those around us. Amen. Could I have you bow your heads for just a minute? I just, first off, I wonder if there's anybody in here that you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That is the most important decision you will make in this lifetime. We make a lot of important decisions. Do we get married? Who do we marry? Do we have children? After that, we kind of don't have any control over that one. Where do I work? What job do I do? Do we buy this house or that house? Do we spend the money on a new car? I mean, it's important decisions. They're, they're life-changing decisions, they, and they really do matter. But none of them have an eternal effect. They're all temporal. They're all here. Whatever decisions we make in this life will end at this life except for one. We're going to make a decision. Do I trust Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior? That, that is a final decision. Once Hebrews 9 comes along, appointed unto man wants to die after this, the judgment. Once that Hebrews 9 comes along, the decisions are final. If we pray to receive Christ, we live for all of eternity in the presence of the Lamb of God. Charles Chapman's doing it right now. He's shouting, got his boots up on the podium and everything. He's having a spell. We got several that have gone on just this week with him. They're having a shouting match. But for those who have neglected the offer, the gift is free. It is the free gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. There's nothing you can do to get it except reach out and take it. We just had Christmas. Some of you got Christmas presents. Somebody offered you a Christmas present. If they reached it out to extend it to you and you said, no, thank you, didn't take it, then it did you no good because you refused the gift. The same is true with the gift of God. He said, here's my son. He shed his blood for remission of your sins that you might be saved. And here's my gift to you. You can be saved now by surrendering your heart through the Lord Jesus Christ and asking him to forgive you of your sins and save your soul in the precious holy name of Jesus. It's not lip service. It's not a magic poem. It's surrendering your heart to God and asking Christ to save your soul. It'd be my prayer that anybody in here this morning, if you never trusted Christ, Will you make today the day of salvation for you? Make this the day that you said it is enough. If you're watching on live stream, today can be your day. You don't, you don't have to be right here. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter me if you're sitting on the lake fishing. The power of God reaches everywhere. Richard Shaw said it reached over into the, that was the USS Jacksonville, wasn't it? And that old 55 Pontiac, it reached anywhere. It reached into New Hope Baptist Church back January 5th, 1986. It'll reach to wherever you are right now, in this building or out there on live stream. The power of God will reach. You just have to ask him, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Save my soul in Jesus' name. I want to be a child of God. I surrender my heart to your will, starting right now. Amen.